0: Okay, well welcome to this episode of The Little Breakfast. Um I'm here with Dan Strange. Welcome, Dan. Hi,
1: Clive. Great to be with you. Great to uh reconnect after many years.
0: I know, I know. This is sort of like one of these lockdown things, isn't it? It's like let's connect with somebody you haven't spoken to for how long was it? Maybe ten years, twelve years? Ten
1: years. And can I say, we're both looking fabulous.
0: <laughs> we're <laughs> developing into that middle-aged kind of grizzly. Exactly. <laughs>
1: yeah, yeah, exactly. Speak yeah, you. yourself. Complete, complete yeah, exactly. You're completely
0: right. Just the listeners who don't know, we both worked for this um, uh, organisation called UCCF, the Christian Unions. Um, and, and of course, we're standard um, cookie cutter versions of everyone that works for uccf <laughs> <laughs> <Exactly. laughs> yeah. so um what, what did you do in uccf actually so i couldn't can't quite remember yeah, we, so i just
1: i just worked with theological students so i, I was up traveling up and down the country ah, just yeah working. yeah,
0: of course yeah yeah because you, um, you were involved with um what was that publication again what was melios it? Yeah, the
1: Melos, which is still going, the Gospel Coalition. It's become mm.
0: <laughs> since since the Gospel
1: Coalition in the states took over, it's become its own. I, I, I still write for it, but it's still a it's a much bigger beast now than it was then.
0: Yeah, yeah. You were like, yeah, I used to be editor of the Melos. <laughs> <That's> like, <laughs> exactly. Yeah. Um, well, we uh what we do in the little breakfast to start off with is just talking a little bit about breakfast funnily enough and uh, then we'll get into the meaty stuff of the subject and we'll tell um the listeners what that's going to be in just a moment or two so um dan what does an average day breakfast look like for you okay we linked all the the
1: answer to all of these questions is linked to the middle age bit so <laughs> my average breakfast at the moment this morning was uh natural yogurt with some grapes in it now i know let put <laughs> Pause there, ask your other questions,
0: and then you'll see where this is going. Okay, right. So, uh, And actually, there there is a bit of a pattern there. A lot of our um, guests um, who are of a middle-aged stage of life have have said something similar, so there's a pattern. Um, Hopefully, that is going to be doing good for the middle-aged person, because otherwise, it's just a waste of time. But um, So, in relation to other questions regarding breakfast, what would be your dream breakfast? Cold takeaway from the night before. Cold
1: takeaway? (laughs) Of anything. I love it. Cold pizza, cold Indian, cold Chinese.
0: Yeah.
1: Glorious. Absolutely. In fact, always tastes better than the actual um, event itself. It's the looking forward to a takeaway is wonderful. Eating it is sometimes not so wonderful,
0: but having the leftovers afterwards is wonderful the next day. So I get that if you ate ate that later in the day, but for breakfast, that's pretty. Oh, incredible!
1: Like last night, last night one of my uh, we had a we we, we I, I didn't actually have a takeaway. I was out. I was out doing a I was out an elders meeting. While the rest of the family had a takeaway, yeah. But this morning came down. There was a wonderful cold chicken korma, but my twenty one year old son had already devoured it. I was most upset. <laughs> so that that would be that would seriously be an ideal. But I love cold takeaway. Hence.
0: Hence the comment of the yoghurt and grapes. Out of about 12 or 13 episodes, you can't quite remember. That's definitely a first, Dan. That's definitely a first. So what would be your sort of nightmare breakfast, your worst case? Cold takeaway. Cold takeaway, because it's good. It's, it's, it's the same answer. Because if I had that
1: every day, it would be the end. I couldn't do it. So I, I give the same answer. It, uh, the the, night, the nightmare scenario would be the temptation of not having the cold takeaway of resisting it and I don't think I'd, I'd
0: be able to there you go <laughs> oh, all right well that that's that's certainly unique answers so we are going to be thinking today a bit about culture and why culture matters and before we do that um what I th- what I don't actually generally know is um I mean we work together in UCCF but what has been your what was your journey from like growing up to getting involved in any kind of ministry like how did did that work out
1: yeah so um come from a um mixed race kind of background so my dad came from Guyana in south america uh came over to this country in the 60s married my mum um so uh, kind of uh, have always been interested in kind of other religions got converted through the Boys' Brigade, which is a, a uniformed organisation that was very popular. Still, get, still exists, especially in Scotland, but um, yeah. yeah, got converted through in the local Baptist church in Southend-on-Sea in Essex. Uh, and then I, I've always been quite inquisitive and probably have got a bit of an academic bent. So I uh, went to study theology at Bristol Uni. And by then, I think I, I was really interested in the question of what's Christianity's relationship to other religions. So stayed on to do a PhD there with a a, a, um, a PhD supervisor who was kind of a, the Catholic authority on that, um, me coming from a kind of Protestant background. Um, so, uh, and then I worked for UCCF, working just with theological students for five years. And then in 2005, I moved to Oak Hill College, which is a kind of a Bible college, a seminary. And I've been teaching there for 15 years in areas of cultural engagement um other religions apologetics those kind of mission those kinds of areas yeah well, um well, so I was a lecturer and and I'm kind of I I am currently I'm currently director but next year I'll be moving on to a new uh, ministry to start a kind of my own thing a center for culture and, and religion and mission which will be part of an organization called Crosslands which uh, I've been involved with from the beginning where which has got people like Tim Chester and others who do teaching there so um yeah. that's next
0: year okay that sounds good that sounds exciting sounds a new a new venture
1: it is well we're we're going to be coming up you know not quite as far as you but we're looking at the northeast that's where probably we're going to be basing ourselves so um, are you going
0: to base yourself there well you need if you're that far up you need to come up and do a big breakfast and we can yeah yeah. well
1: we're 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 looking i mean it has not definite yet but we're looking at a place that's literally five minutes from the angel of
0: the north right Um, okay and so then, are you, where are you going to be based then? And where are you going to be living?
1: Well, probably, probably around Newcastle Gateshead area. That, that's where we're looking at the moment. We haven't quite right. made the decision yet, but it's looking that way because the, yeah. the, the new the, the organisation I'm working for, Crosslands, they have some of their, they have a kind of a base there. Although it's a kind of a virtual thing. Um,
0: and where are you living and, at the minute?
1: Oh, I'm in North London in Oak Hill. I've been. Okay, so this is quite a contrast. In... Yes, I'm looking forward to it. A cultural cross exchange. <laughs> exactly, the soft the softy southerner comes comes north, the, <laughs> yes. the south end boy. Uh, just quick, I mean, I'm I'm married to Ellie, by the way, and I've got um I've got seven kids from 23 down to wow. seven. The oldest ones uh the, the oldest ones in the Met, and the youngest one is not in the Met. He's a, he's at school. Wow. Um, and then um, church wise, I'm an elder at um, a church called East Finchley Baptist, which is a little north London. Baptist church very multicultural um and I'm one of the elders there
0: yeah. well you've got a busy life yeah good though <laughs> or a full life shall we say um so we're going to be talking a bit about culture and obviously that that can be quite a wide thing I just want to sort of probably caveat that to the listeners to say that probably mostly what we're going to be talking about is contemporary western culture um so why should a Christian uh, listening to this particularly be bothered about thinking about contemporary culture in the West?
1: Yeah. Well, I think the first thing to say is, I mean, from a theological point of view is that we we are cultural beings. I mean, we are, we are created. We are finite. We are located in a particular time and a particular space. That's the point is when we're not God in that sense. So there's always a locatedness to our very existence. Everything we do, has a cultural element to it. Because if culture is the fruit of what we think about the world or making a home for ourselves or any, anything yeah. like, like that, I mean, I've you know, I've got a fairly expansive definition of what culture is. One writer says that culture is religion externalised, which I think is very, very helpful. It's the our deepest commitments and desires. Culture is the fruit of that. Yeah. So we need to be bothered because um, it's, it, it relates to our lives. And I think the thing I want to get across as a Christian is... If, if I am not forming culture under um, the way that the blueprints that God has set for the world, then I will be being formed. I mean, there's no other option. I'm either forming or being formed. Yeah. And there's lots of different ways, to, uh, different homes that people in the world want to create. And I think that's, that's where some of the, the challenge comes in. So I think answering that, Clive, is we're not... Sometimes I think Christians think we're acultural, that we can yeah. kind of, you know opt-in or opt-out and it's, it's just not an option everything we do the way we put out the furniture in church the clothes we wear the fact that we're engaged like this um it, it, it's all it's all cultural it's all saying something it's all meaningful
0: yeah okay that's helpful let's expand that just a little bit more i've got a quote from kevin van hooser who was on a previous podcast that was a bit of a oh, great. goop. Um, so. Uh, just to advertise that to people that are Sorry, interested. you've massively come down by getting <laughs> me <laughs> that's fine other people can talk about culture that's fine listen you're gonna attract a totally different of fish listeners who are then gonna go and check out Van Hooser so there we go. So
1: I bet, I bet I bet Kevin wasn't wearing a hoodie, I'll tell you that.
0: Well he wasn't and it wasn't a visual podcast but um oh, okay, right.
1: I think go. I needed
0: all my faculties to to <laughs> concentrate on the one advantage uh, I had was I had studied Kevin's work for a couple of years, so that was uh, a yeah, biggest uh, benefit uh, of research. But anyway, so one of Kevin's yeah. quotes, which I think will help expand our conversation that yeah. we've done, is what time the everyday and culture have in common is that they are so familiar, so close to us, our social skin, as it were, that we have a hard time stepping back and examining them at a distance. Now, I think that's that's a really good quote because... You've said, well, you know, actually, we're either forming or being formed. I think we're also sort of swimming in it, aren't we? So we're in the water. and But sometimes we're not quite aware of what we're actually swimming in. I think yeah. what, what Van Hoos is saying. I mean,
1: I mean sometimes I, I, I link culture to worldview. And worldview is its own concept. But I do think culture is generated by worldview. And the point about worldview is... We don't think about worldview. We think with our worldview. I always liken it to getting a new pair of glasses. When, yeah. when you get a new pair of glasses, for the first day or so, the, the only thing you can see is the frame. But after that, you see through the frame. You don't look at the frame, as it were. Yeah. You see through the lens. And I think that's the whole point. The fact that we're talking about cultural worldview is quite a counterintuitive thing because it is so close to us. And it is the it is how we make Mm. a home for ourselves and again most people are just they're just living their lives they're 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 producing culture they're living culture they're not thinking about it yeah yeah um i I think that 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 is important for the christian though because one of the one of the verses that one of the passages i found very helpful in the book of isaiah is when isaiah says of the person who (laughs) makes an idol out of basically the fuel that they've used to cook their dinner they say it says you know no one stops to think and that's the issue isn't it lots mm. of we don't think we don't stop and think about these things most people are just living their lives um and it's that's the importance i think from a what christians have to do or what, what what we should be doing is is getting thinking ourselves but stopping to think helping others to stop and think about do you know why are you doing what you're doing and what does that mean and i think there's that's the meaningfulness of culture that that's mm. always there on under the surface
0: yeah i think that's helpful well talking about a worldview is helpful isn't it because i think I would say that a lot of our influence has come through worldviews which um, influence education. And a lot of where we're at right now is is living in a sort of, I need to be validated and I need to have evidence that I'm actually a useful human. And when you live in that sort of culture, then you might tend to gravitate to thinking or watching or reading stuff that's then going to validate your evidence or produce evidence more from yeah, yeah. how you're um a person of of importance right rather than just going I'm actually gonna paint a picture because I enjoy painting I'm going to write a song because I enjoy music um if everything we produce goes towards this worldview of having to prove oneself then that's 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 quite a scary existence isn't it in terms of actually um whether we're bother actually being those who form culture yeah, yeah and and we think
1: we're i i often think christians think that we're immune it's a bit like um i'm I, in the in the book I, I give the example of uh blokes who think that they're never going to get pop, pickpocketed because they're you know they're bum sensitive and they, they they'd never know if a, they'd know if a pickpocket was going to nick their wallet and of course <laughs> that's what that's what that's what happens because yeah you know the end of one john john says keep yourselves he says to the christians keep yourselves from idols and Idols don't go around with a massive great thing on their head saying, I'm an idol. It's very subtle. It's very um, uh, subversive. And I think for us to look out as to, we're always going to be imbibing those things. So, you know, at the moment a lot of the church is thinking about issues to do with leadership and power. And what does that mean? But that doesn't come from nowhere that comes from other stuff that's going around in the cultural climate that then has a Christian form that we need to deal with it. It's the same with the issue of celebrity or, 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 or whatever. So the, 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 the ability to analyze and to try and distinguish what's going on and to disentangle what's, what's a, a kind of a biblical framework as opposed to a non-biblical framework is absolutely crucial. But if we don't yeah. do the work, then I think we're, we're quite naive as to how, how these things um, creep up on us and then uh, consumers,
0: as it were. Yeah, so some people might sort of say, oh, that's all very well, guys, you know, you're thinking a bit more academically there, you're thinking about philosophy, you know, theology, sociology, anthropology, all theologies. Um, Yes. But what about, you know, me, Um, uh, somebody might say, well, you know, I'm just into, I go to work, I work hard, I come home, I put on Netflix, I binge on a box set. What, so this links in um, with the book you've written, and so why why would what we watch or read or play matter then? Why does it matter?
1: Yeah, because I, well, I I mean I think the prob- part of the problem is even within Christianity there sometimes is, is this distinction on, on, on the culture definition. I've given you a very broad definition. Of course, there are different ways we use culture, and one of the ways we have used it is traditionally is to talk about high culture versus low culture, where high culture is proper culture and low culture is kind of ephemeral, candy floss, rubbish. Yeah. And one of the things that I think we need to look at is the fact that all culture is meaningful. Yes, there are different um, tastes, different rules for different cultural artefacts, but even the most popular contemporary culture can be meaningful and religious um, and the fact that it's popular means that it has a, a massive audience that we should be analysing. Um, so that, that high-low distinction is unhelpful. In fact, some of the kind of contemporary cultural studies recognises that because if you're into kind of cultural studies, unfortunately often it's read through a kind of quite a Marxist kind of lens. But if you can kind of get over that, that mm. it's really important in in understanding especially even from you know from a biblical point of view everything that human beings do is is meaningful. Now of course there's there's levels of profundity or expressivity and but that's where I think arts come into their own because the arts are, I would argue, trying to trying to plumb those depths, ask those mm. questions. I mean of course there's a lot of stuff that's ephemeral and rubbish and whatever, but a lot of it's not and entertainment is quasi religious. I mean the things we want to distract ourselves with are often the themes that for worlds that we want, or we, because we know we don't have them. So you can never, we can never escape. I I mean, I always say we can never escape our our humanity and who we are Mm. and wherever we go, we're going to be asking similar questions. And I think that's true, not simply of other religions. It's true of um, um, everyone in every cultural manifestation.
0: Okay, so picking up on that, um, somebody might... I think it's really helpful uh, to define that, you know, that we can create this kind of high and low cultural stuff. You know, this is the stuff that's really good, you know, but you don't want to be engaging with that stuff. Um, So in terms of critical engagement with stuff, um, let's just take, you know, like someone's watching a box set on Netflix. I think there are there may be underlining issues i would suggest as to how we engage with programs like that and what i would want to suggest is that i think there, there are probably interpretive issues that we might have both biblically and culturally so that if our hermeneutic our type of interpretation is purely about how does this relate to me then i think it's really reductionary because actually what we would those of us who call ourselves Christians really should look at the Bible and say, you know, what, what's the original context saying? How does it fit into that meta-narrative? Um, what's going on in the text? And then how do we apply it? And I think maybe culturally we, we don't do that as well. Like sometimes yeah. we can just say, well, what's this got to do with me? Rather than what's actually going on in the narrative, what's happening, what's the author's intent in this, this, this film, this programme, what's the world view? Um, have you got yeah. any thoughts on that?
1: Yeah, well, so I think, I mean, and some of this is from actually a book that Kevin Van Hooser did do on um, uh, culture where there, there, there's the world of the text. There's, there's the thing in itself that we look at, but there's obviously a world behind the text, the author and what was going on and the reasons for that. There's also a world in front of the text, as in when, when I get my students to do a cultural analysis of something, um, if they do a film or a book, I'm not so much interested in them doing a synopsis. What I want to know is, how has this take? What's been what's been the reaction to this cultural product? Because often cultural products, there's a dynamic kind of um, uh, cultural products are always m- moving. They're always changing. So yeah. if you take a film, if a film's successful, then the producer wants to. Re- it, there's a kind of a loop that goes on. You know, you do something. What's the success or not? The the or or is it unsuccessful? What does that mean for the next time you do something? So there's a constant kind of movement Mm -hmm. going on, which I find is really is really interesting. Um, And so, yeah, I I think um, all of those things we need to engage with um, because that that's when things become cultural phenomenons and trends that we need to be understanding. I think as as Christians and and how they work now of course you know there are lots of ethical issues that we need to engage with as, as well but there's mm. the obvious always the obvious stuff about sex and violence and all of that but um which is we need to engage and kind of how do we deal with that as christians i think though i'm also interested in stuff that we get sucked into that actually might be just as dangerous like sentimentality i mean i've done a little bit of thinking about this
0: yeah. about
1: how much of our culture is sentimental and you, you'll understand this from a a music point of view, Clive. That you know, sentimental sentimentality is so corrosive and sickening, and unreal that that needs kind of dealing with as much as some of the more obvious stuff that I think we we might be more mm. um, attuned to or aware of.
0: Yeah. So that that sort of leads me on to a point. So I'm, I'm what I'm trying to do is frame this into like so somebody's come home seven yeah, seven o'clock at night. They're putting on Netflix and so what what is going on like so how do we get the sort of balance between right so I could sit there and watch something on Netflix and apply these kind of interpretive principles and then be sort of siphoning off everything that's going on and then have this massive discussion afterwards right and almost like saying well I can't do that unless I kind of go through this process or equally I can watch it and kind of like be entertained and I guess what I'm trying to get at is you know we can't disengage our brain from watching something so i don't think we should just absorb stuff which i think is the potential for many of us to do is to just simply absorb what's going on but i think equally if we over, were overcritical on it maybe we miss some of the flamboyance and colors and sounds and everything yeah. else that, that are to be enjoyed from a visual point of view, you know, so, you know, for instance, if you go and go on a walk and you hear these birds singing and you're trying to analyze everything about the birds singing, there is something to say, oh, I just give thanks for that lovely sound, the lovely birds, or that lovely view, you know, so there's visual aspects as well as kind of analyzing kind of scripts yeah. and words and meaning. Um, I mean, so, there's
1: certainly, I would say there's certainly a, and you would understand this as an artist. I don't think we've been very particularly. I suppose the conservative evangelical world that I come from, and very happy to be in it. The the kind of the aesthetic dimension is some sometimes not as strong as some of the other questions that we ask in terms of beauty. Yeah. So I think that's important that we do have an aesthetic antenna to be able to see these things and to appreciate these things.
0: Yeah.
1: I think it's always this constant struggle between. You know, I think we should always be critical, but critical doesn't mean negative. It means that we've got our, uh, we're engaged. Not just our brains are engaged, but all of our senses are engaged. You know, I, I, I worry when I'm watching a rom com and I'm actually rooting for someone to be with their person, which means they're going to leave their husband or wife or whatever. And I realize my, it's not that's not just an intellectual thing. That's a holistic heart thing that I need yeah. to be aware of. On the other hand there's a common humanity that we all have that we can appreciate and that's the problem with sentimentality sometimes i think some some of the greatest um Christ- uh, art that's made is not necessarily giving what the answer is but it recognizing that that is that there's a problem or there's questions and it's the, uh, it's mm. discussing the questions that's as interesting and of course you know we've we've got answers to, i think believe, i do believe christianity does have answers to give but exploring the questions and exploring our common humanity is endlessly fascinating. Um, And yeah.
0: yeah. I'm just going to have to pause the recording there because I've got a delivery at the door and it's part of the joys of lockdown, isn't it? So let's just pause that (laughs) and we'll come back in just a second. We'll put a musical interlude on for a second. Okay. We're back in the room. Uh, You know, it's coming up for Christmas and deliveries come to the door and that's real life, isn't it? Um, So, Back on stuff. So we were just uh, thinking again a bit about culture and what I want us to think about now is just in terms of um, somebody who over the years has produced art in terms of music, uh, there can be, I suppose, a tendency to kind of think that, or other people might think you're doing that to want to be famous or from a Christian perspective, I suppose there's been a number of times where people would say, well, that's great, but, you know, how are you using that, you know, to further the gospel, um, that somehow one has to create a justification for producing art, whether it's music or visual art or films. Have, have you got any thoughts on that?
1: Well, I mean, before we came on, we talked about, you know, the famous quotation from one Christian artist or Christian aesthetician, art needs no justification. Yeah, Um yeah. I mean, I—I th- I, I mean, it goes back to the idea. I, I mean, I do think we are communicating. I mean, I think that's that we and we are trying to plumb the depths of the questions of what it means to be human. And I think that uh, I think that I would think the I would hope the best art is trying to do that, but not in maybe any obvious way. Mm. Um, I mean, it, it's it's interesting, and uh, and yeah, I think especially the visual medium as well, where I think words do certain things and images do certain things and they both have their place. And sometimes words can't do what images do and images can't do what, what words do. Um, and so I, I, I don't think that in that sense, art needs justification. I do think though that art does express um, what we might say we've spoken about before in terms of worldview. Mm. And that's why it's, it's perennially interesting and engaging and we need to um we do need to engage it
0: um,
1: and and talk about it and discuss it and um and because it is it is a uh, it is still offering a world to us yeah um which i think is is important
0: um yeah i think there is i think there's quite a lot of pressure on, on different artists who are christians to try to produce something that um people who are Christians think that that is somehow acceptable. You know, so the classic thing will be, you know, you've got a picture and, well, does it have a cross in it? Does it have a Bible verse yeah, yeah, in it? Yes. Um, or you produce a song. And, well, you know, well, why doesn't that mention Jesus or why why is that not talking about the Bible and stuff? And and I think it's interesting because, you know, we, we can see such a breadth of... Um, Things that we can talk about, uh, you know, and, and uh, you know, when we think about the cultural mandate about just going and making and baking and shaping things in the world um, and having dominion over things in the way that God has given us that to do, uh, there is a, there's a lot of freedom to kind of write about a lot of different things. And yeah. I think, I suppose, what concerns me is that when we think about music, particularly think of the the sort of 80s and 90s and early zeros, there was a lot of artists who were Christians who were writing about a whole host of things. And I suppose what concerns me is like the reductionary view of worship is something that's there for the church to engage with and be blessed, blessed by and encourage one another. And from a an aesthetic point of view, I guess that we've we've tended to sort of think that the route for somebody who plays guitar in church or plays drums is is to join a worship band rather than to join a band where they're actually talking about lots of things in life or raising questions or being a prophetic voice in the wilderness as it were. And, and, you know, I'd really want to encourage anybody watching or listening if they are a musician to, you know, pursue that, and, I, and thankfully, I know people certainly here in Scotland who are looking to do that and do that well. But I just think it's a slightly lonely place for such people as in the church, actually.
1: Yeah, yeah, and and especially if you've got a preconceived notion that every single song that you produce has to have certain kind of explicit elements. I mean, I, I mean, I don't get me wrong. I do think if. Um, if If over the lifetime of a musician and their complete kind of catalogue it was all completely you know everything they did and wrote about and interviewed was was completely nihilistic yeah. i mean I think that is problematic because the Christian life is about hope, but also yeah, yeah. the Christian life is still about living in a in a in a fallen world, the frustrations of life yeah. and and what that so there, there are i think there are Parameters, which is a there's a theological there's there Mm. is a worldview, but I suppose as um is it Emily Dickinson said you know tell it slant I mean there's all kinds of ways in of how we do that and levels of expressivity and subtlety and surprise and all of those things innovation creativity means that sometimes the most effective things are the things that are surprising um, that things you don't expect. And that's where I think we we sometimes there's a I suppose a, a monochrome understanding, and especially when you talk about the diversity. I mean, this goes back to the music thing. You know, I, I probably do believe there are there is kind of objectivity in terms of beauty and standards, but you can't compare. You know, for example, that it's particular to each genre. So mm. each genre will have its own standards and. Uh, that 's where the importance of tradition comes in you know like mm. in, in a fi- in a you know take a film example well take take a take a musical example like the blues you know you know that there 's a standard, you know that, that there 's a formula, but it 's how then people stick to that, depart from that um mm. that becomes the whole interesting thing about tradition and breaking
0: from tradition that 's yeah. important and, yeah. I, and i mean you mentioned film there, I think genre of art. Does lend, some genres lend themselves, I think, to have a better kind of uh, conversation, putting it simply, than others. So I think film is a lot easier. I think with music, um, some people will say, "Oh, I never listen to the lyrics," you know, "I, I never bother really engaging with that." And as a songwriter, you say, "Oh, yeah, it's heartbreaking," but but maybe that's a good thing if you've yeah. written a few poor ones. But um, but I think there is a sense in which it is easier, I think, to sort of see, okay, here is a narrative yeah. in a film and we'll see what's going on there.
1: But, um, but even, the, even the most things that we might say... You know, so, for example, I mean, this is an example I give. At the After the Manchester bombings, Ariana Grande goes back to the stadium and sings Somewhere Over the Rainbow. Now, I can kind of think, oh, uh, you know, that's kind of, you know, saccharine sweet. But at the end of the day, what is that song about? It's about... A hope for a different world, Mm. for a world that we don't have at the moment. It's a yearning. I mean, C.S. Lewis and others talk about this idea of sensu, it's the longing for a world that Mm. we've either never had or we think distant we need. I mean, you know, the romantics in the 19th century, they used to build ruins. They built ruins because it was this idea of a longing for a world, a paradise lost. And in popular form, that's what a song like Over the Rainbow is about. And of course eighty thousand people in a stadium? There's something more going on than me singing that in my bedroom. There is a, an un, there's a, it's a, it, it is a transcendental moment that yeah. we that we that we need to understand. That's how human beings work, yeah. um, and that's just, it, that that that's not just candy floss. That there's something profound going on there. Yeah, it may be completely looking for those answers in all the wrong places. And that's why the Bible does talk a lot about idolatry. But the fact that people are asking those questions is
0: significant. Oh, it is. And uh, and I think as well, I mean, your point you made about high and low art and sentimentality is, is a good one because um, uh, we are absorbing stuff, whether we we realise that or not. And I, I'll just give you a quick example, and you can go away in the do this exercise afterwards, as it were. But I just was um, hearing on the radio uh, a couple of months ago a couple of songs from the movie Grease, and I stopped to listen to the lyrics. I thought, man, they are so shockingly like yeah, I explicit, <laughs> you know. But everyone was like, "Yeah, Grease, you know the musical, and yeah, it's fun." And and I think it's quite a good example of if you don't actually stop and listen to what something is saying, how you can yeah. absorb that and just go actually, that's really, that's really not helpful, you know. Um, and, and I'm not, because with the genre, like you could have people like, you know, in the 80s and 90s, Christians going, burn all your records, all those heavy metal things are terrible, you know. And actually, Greece at the same time is actually really derogatory towards women, you know, when you listen to a lot of the lyrics, you know.
1: Yeah. And, and even things that don't have a kind of, an. I mean, I know with, song, with music and with lyrics, but even things that don't, like, even like, dance, I mean, one of my friends, Ted Turnow, he wrote a great book on popular culture where he talks about inhabiting the world, but even things like dance music and things like that they they you can there's a there 's a way that you can read them and you can yeah. they, they're still telling a story in a kind of a non verbal way, but I think that's yeah. important yeah. i mean I think the thing i'm interested in is something we were talking about before, Clive, about do you given that you you were saying that you used to write songs that actually kind of you know that, 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 that the words kind of meant something i suppose mm. do you do you think that there is still contemporary popular music that is still, I mean, do do you think there's more kind of ephemeral stuff that isn't as significant and that's as popular?
0: Yeah, I think think the problem with uh, popular culture now, including music, is, you know, Douglas Copeland in Generation X spoke about option paralysis. And with things like Spotify, the problem is you've got so much choice yeah. That it's hard to know what to choose. And, you know, it's almost like, and this can sound like a middle aged man going back to harping on the good old days, <laughs> and it probably is, but, you know, when when you queued up outside Walworths or HMV, desperate to get that new album, yeah, and then you got it, and then you played it over and over and over again, right? And you just learned everything about you know, every lyric, every musical notation and rhythm and what have you, and just enjoyed it. And then you get to this point where you go, there's millions of songs that you can listen to on Spotify. So um, what do you actually listen to? And, and as a result, I mean, just being quite honest, like I, I'm not kind of struck by new artists or bands or songs that often that I go, wow, that's, that's, that's amazing, you know. And, and, and in fact, what, what I've now gone back to, which is probably a kind of middle-aged thing again, is is... is a record player, and I'm buying vinyls, and I'm <laughs> I'm putting the vinyls on, and I'm listening to the whole album, and, and 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 enjoying actually the sound of that and the crackle of that, but also the kind of warmness of that sound as opposed to flicking on tracks on Spotify that are not your cup of tea. But I th- I think there are. Um, yeah i i think it's a commercialization of music is the issue and it's finding the people so i know locally uh people who are producing music that will never be played on radio never be heard anywhere else but are producing really good music and and artists who are independent and maybe maybe we'll see a cultural shift in the same way that you know you don't just go and buy your coffee at starbucks you know you look for a independent specialty speciality, speciality and, and you do go back to i remember
1: i was listening last night driving to church thing and uh on radio five live tony Livesey, who, who was one of the presenters was interviewing someone from the jam and it was obvious that he's absolutely still obsessed with the jam there was a moment <laughs> he still goes and, but at the time i mean he was in awe of speaking to, i don't know who he was the bass player but like it was obvious that he you know that was his that was there was still something very profound and significant about now. Who knows what was going on in his life at the time, or is it the profundity of the lyrics or whatever? But certainly yeah. that um yeah, it, it it's a kind of it is a quasi-worship kind worshipfulness, yeah. Um, that that we just need to kind of recognize. So I do get a bit distressed when people just dismiss it. And I think that, that there have been analyses of popular culture where Christians are kind of wringing their hands saying, you know, after, you know, after you know, with the Beatles everything went down downhill. And I still think, yeah, maybe, but it's still significant. It's still saying something. It's still yeah. we still engage with it. Um, and that's that's the important thing. And because it's that's the point, because it's popular culture, it's mass culture, yeah. The opportunity to say something significant and to even to counter it is mm. is um there's a lot of opportunity for then saying something different, a different way of viewing the world
0: yeah no no I I think you're right and and what I don't want to do is give the impression that um I've got a downer on on culture because we're critiquing it as you say it's not just about being critical but it's about um really where there's there's good musicians good artists um celebrating that you know and and you know good friends of mine Ali Gordon and Carly are producing visual art and I know, particularly Colly here in Dundee, is really connecting with a lot of artists and putting on exhibitions yeah. and engaging with people um, yeah. where there are, and, and and that's great. You know, I think that that um, and the point is, it is, but that's the point. We need to have
1: our critical faculties because it is powerful. Again, yeah. as I before, if we're not if we're not forming, then we are being formed, and so we need to have. We always as Christians, we do need to have discernment. We can never, yeah. I mean, you know. I know. Okay, I'm the one, you know. Of course, we want to sometimes veg out and 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 that. But even hmm. even then, it, it's very easy just to let to let it wash over you. That's probably that's not. I mean, that's not being transformed by the renewing of our minds. I don't think. Yeah. So, and you know, my kids get frustrated with me when I say, "Oh, Dad, can't you just watch the film. You have to kind of." Uh, but I mean, it's it's always you can still <laughs> enjoy you still you still enjoy God's creation. You still enjoy the solidarity that that you have even with with stuff that um is disturbing in a sense of seeing a a very different view from the Christian point of view. Yeah, but our love yeah. for others and our love for the lost means that we want to listen to we want to we want to hear yeah. people properly, don't we? we want to listen to where they're coming from so that we can say something. And the worst thing is mm. is just kind of caricaturing or stereotyping a view. Because well, idolatry exactly. I mean, theologically an idol is 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 a is a, a um a counterfeit of the truth it, it it's yeah. always something that has been good that's been made bad, but the essence of it will always have a a kind of um a, a um yeah something good because everything that God has created is good now we twist and we turn it in in the most awful sometimes perverse ways yeah. but still there there's always going to be something that 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 we can latch onto and make a point of connection with
0: yeah and I think also um as Somebody that you know creates and other people that create the the need to justify is not just um, I need to justify myself in terms of whether i 've actually put John three sixteen in this lyric it 's almost like having to justify yourself in terms of um, what what 's the content of work that you 're producing yeah, yeah. how much have you thought that through yeah. and I, th- I think there 's something like interesting about um It's almost like how much you're willing, like, it's something parabolic about this, right? So, you know, like, did people really get what Jesus was saying in the parables? The people that wanted to see, the people that wanted to crack the nut and get to the fruit got to it. And so the people that really want to understand art and music need to learn the language of that like right? so so you know you're not going to learn spanish and really understand it unless you really want to learn the language and get to yeah. grips with it and there are so many nuances in yeah. within that you know so I, I i'm not i don't have any pretense that people are listening might go oh, i can't be bothered with all that you know well okay that's a fair enough position to take to one degree because actually do we really want to engage with art do we want to engage with music are we willing to kind of learn the nuances of that and, and in regard to my own stuff that I produced, um, two albums ago, I produced an album called Three Horizons, which on the face of it, people are like, what, what is it called? That, what, what's Three Horizons all about? Well, I didn't go around like publicising, okay, this is the reason that I'm going to Three Horizons, yeah. you know, where I went. But, but in my own mind, it was a body of work that was actually inspired by Kevin Van hoozer's work on um, how we understand interpretation. And the, and the whole album yeah. is based on hermeneutics, right? And the rhythm of hermeneutics. Now, that's a, i think this is about me and my journey and my understanding and thinking, and then producing that work. And it's and it's up to people to ask those questions. Do you know what I mean? Yeah. So actually, yeah. do you really want to engage with the work or not? And, mm-hmm. and it's the same for me. If I'm listening to an album, do I want to find out about that, or do I want to find out about the visual work that yeah. that person's done? Or... And, and, and the creative process is
1: so important in that because one of the one of the things I was worried about in the plugged in book available
0: yeah so we haven't really um, plugged the plugged in but can you just hold that up um, a bit hold it up a bit longer <laughs> okay it's so
1: really, really there is really nothing else like this book Tim Keller there you go oh well, so um, that's
0: that's that's what's it actually called you're still not holding it up long enough oh, plug, you're plug, bit, plug there's in. False humility here <laughs> okay plug in, there you go. it's but plugged one of the things
1: One of the things I I was worried about is that a lot of it is about how we um, how we understand culture and what culture is, how culture works, how we critique it. I'm very keen, though, that instead of we're not simply consumers, we are creators, and I think what we should be doing is you know creating as much. And this is where I think we have missed the trick in encouraging those in our churches who are creatives. How do you look? You know. How do you, how do you pass to creatives? How do you look after them? How do you um, encourage them? Mm. And I think we've got a lot of work to do in that area um, because I think the, and but that not just professional artists, but it, but all of us as, as creators. And, you know, I, I, in some ways, I really love the fact that, you know, watching Bake Off does inspire us as a family to try and let's do some, let's do some baking. Let's do some cooking. <laughs> let's, you know, yeah. let's this is we need to be doing that let let's make music however you know badly yeah, it is yeah. but instead of just letting it wash over us as consumers let let's yeah. let's go and do our own mini version of subduing and, and fulfilling which i think is really important as well
0: yeah that, that's a really important you've, you point you've just made and we'll, and we'll move towards a close in just a moment i think that's a good takeaway um for those people listening and saying oh, it's a bit theoretical for me you know just talking about culture and art and music and what have you um unpack that a bit more for us Dan in terms of the subduing and the making what what does that look like or what could that look like for people listening or in churches and what have you
1: well I, th- I think it, it is recognizing the you know the wonder of creation and the diversity of creation and the different skills that he's given God's given people uh, to enjoy his uh, creation uh that as Christians it it, it should be that we're the most creative people we're the people who because we know we don't have to prove ourselves because we know that the world the world is under curse but it's not a scary place because we know Jesus is Lord we should be taking every day and saying wow God what have you got for me today what's the adventure today it's it's um we in some senses we should be very risk-taking people I mean we live in a very risk-averse society Christians should be taking godly risks in terms of what we do what 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 we create there's a there's a people often think christianity is so stifling but it's so freeing to to be to be who we, we were created to be yeah and that means i think in in um in terms of art and um being able to apply because i because i believe the gospel we need to apply the gospel to everything that we do in our lives Look, there's always a gospel significance it's not just i do my stuff on a sunday i do my stuff on a wednesday for church and the rest is normal life The gospel applies to all of life. We're to take every thought captive for Christ. Um, And that's how we do disciple making. And that, I think, that then is naturally um, evangelistic and witnessing because people will say, wow, there is is something different about that person or that Christian Christian community. So the idea to be imaginative and innovative, I mean, I think we've got a long way to go there in in how do we... um, how do we develop a Christian imagination, which of course, mm. historically Christians have done. And, and, you know, it's been, it's been wonderful, but we, we need to be, we need, we don't need to be scared of doing that. And when we do those things as disciples, then we, we will be making disciples of, of others because people will realize, wow, the gospel does apply to everything that that I do and Jesus is Lord. And um, what, a, you know, that's, you know there's that's the the joy of living as it were
0: mm. now that's 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 really interesting because i think where we're at right now um that imagination that we need is not purely for those who would call themselves artists i think it's for that whole dominion isn't it so if we think about we're in a pandemic right now what is church going to look like in the next year or two you know what are we actually going to do now at this kind of crossroads in history where we, if you like, we've been out of the building, we're going to go back into the building. Um, imagination, creativity in terms of leadership structures, um, yeah. how we do things, it, it's going to be so important. And actually, I think it's such an exciting time. It can seem scary, but it's such an exciting time to think of, well, how yeah. can we under God... Uh, be uh, imaginative and be creative in terms of yeah. what it looks like. You know, and you and I think, awesome? you know,
1: I mean, in some ways it's very um, it's very hard because, the. I mean, the arts, generally, it's a massive over but obviously the arts have been a, a sector of society that's been probably most decimated by COVID. Everyone sees that. I would hope, though, that the message is getting through that bare existence is not great life, as in there is a quality of... Um, life that needs artistic endeavour, um needs I mean for me, needs churches open to be able to discuss and worship God, but also that we have theatres open, that we have concert venues open. Um, I, I think we're much poorer for it. But it's this view that if you think that if you do think, as Lennon said, you know, above us is only sky, then you'll hold a bare existence is you'll hold out everything for that. Whereas I'm very much on the quality of life means that yeah sometimes you one for quality of life we do need these communal spaces we do need the ability to make music and to and to um uh, go to plays and to watch mm. films and to and and for, for me as a Christian to be able to be with God's people and worship Him, that's why I've been created. Yeah. So it, it it does throw up those kinds of questions. And now we don't. I mean, I know you know there was a thing on Strictly Come Dancing at the weekend about you know Andrew Lloyd Webber and it is you know isn't it terrible that all of our musical venues are true? But there's a that that it is true. We're, we're 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 poorer for it for that richness of uh, of life, which I think points to who we are as human beings. And there are deep questions there about creativity and, and what we've been made for um yeah. which i i hope the pandemic has kind of um um stirred up a little bit
0: yeah so where do you think um we might be in a couple of years from now and in, in the light of what you said i mean i'm not i'm not holding you to this but like or what, or what would you like to see things looking like um in relation to what you just said over the next couple of years well, yeah.
1: I mean, I would hope that there, there is a there is a, the opportunity for innovation. I mean, the, the role of technology, I think, is is a, I mean, it can be a blessing, it can be a curse. Um, I personally think the way that we've been created that physical bodily presence is really important. That we are meeting now, but we are meeting virtually. We're not meeting in person. I do think that makes a difference in how we've been made. So, the importance of being together physically, I think is important and i and i would hope we would realize that and you know the sooner we can try and get back to that get that kind of of existence then the better um but yeah i think we 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 do need to be innovative and creative in terms of uh how we um how we encourage others, especially, I mean, I do have a real passion for trying to say, how do we support those who want to be, who want to t- who want to, um, be creative, who do want to be involved in, in the arts? How can we nurture that? Um, I mean, I know the storytelling thing is, is sometimes a bit overplayed because everything's, you know, everything's story this, story that. But I think as creatures, we do think in terms of narrative and the stories that we tell and the more imaginative we are, it does capture people's hearts and minds. And I think Christians need, need to be doing that mm. because we do have, I mean, I still do, you know, we do have the most amazing story of which yeah. all the other stories are, are kind of uh, uh, copies and sometimes not, not great copies. <laughs> so I think to be able to, um, the opportunity then to introduce people to the person of Christ mm. is, is, uh, is an amazing opportunity and privilege. And as Christians, we should be wanting to, to do that. So I would hope that yeah. all of this pandemic has will do a bit of a reset for us to be able to think, okay, how, how do we do this innovatively, creatively and faithfully?
0: Yeah. Okay. Well, that that's good. And there may be people that have uh, questions or comments about this uh, podcast, and if you do, um, you can... Check us out on The Little Breakfast on Facebook. We've got a page there. We've also got a Twitter page. Um, and Dan, I think, is on Facebook and uh, on Twitter as well. If you what, yep. what's, your, what's your handle? It sounds very sort of <laughs> one, four, one at, four for a copy. It <laughs> at Dr. Dan Strange, I don't know. I,
1: I, I, uh, yeah, something like that. He
0: he's, he's into the promotion trail. Not, yeah.
1: Exactly. No, um, the, the one thing I, I, I would promote is not only this book I did on Plugged In, but I'm currently next uh, summer there's going to be – an, an another book on what I think from a Christian point of view are these perennial themes that human beings always ask. So kind of what, what we might call magnetic points, that the same, whether it's another religion, whether it's a songwriter, whoever it is, we always ask the same kinds of questions. And this, that, this book's trying to understand what those questions are. And then how, do we, how does Jesus both confront and connect with those? So okay. look out for that, because I, I think there's some real traction that we yeah. can gain.
0: So that's Thanks. a work in progress, is it? Yeah.
1: Well, it it, it it's 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 basically in it's basically written, okay. and now it'll be published by the Good Book Company next yeah. uh, late summer. So yeah.
0: And and the plugged in book is on the Good Book Company available from where can people get hold oh, of it? Oh yeah,
1: that? anywhere. Good Book Company, Amazon. Yeah. Um, yeah. yeah. And uh, plugged in, connecting your faith with what you watch, read, and, and play. Okay. Um, and for anyone interested in, I suppose, a bit more of a a deeper. A deeper read There's the melios which is the the journal that we spoke about by the gospel coalition
0: yeah i
1: do a kind of i'm a, a consulting editor i do a um a contributing editor i do a, an, an mm. editorial so i've done lots of editorials on this issue of sentimentality mm. there was one on the, the film uh, on risk with free solo and alex Honold the climber who climbed el capitan oh
0: yeah yeah
1: i, I always kind of t- take a theme like that and um yeah. the last one was on this phenomena about why you shouldn't say in uh, in, a, in an office it's quiet today because that makes the phones ring so it's like on the quiet <laughs> so if you're interested in that kind of stuff then uh, go to Themelios and you'll um you'll find my editorials there
0: and can people is that online Dan? yeah yeah it's all online yeah it's all okay, free that's great i used to remember Sorry. all the the yellow and black books that used to sort of i know pile up and the they've house. all been digitized
1: now they've, they've, they've all been digitized but yeah, uh, yeah. so Thamelios is is the
0: is the journal thanks okay well thanks so much for taking the time uh, today and uh, all Do the best know. with the move to the the northeast um if you want to yeah. perfect the accent um i heard <laughs> that the word conjunctivitis is a good one to practice on so it's basically conjunctivitis that's a good one to you. you get your, your northeast I'll, I'll, accent. I'll practice that in the privacy of my own bedroom. You. <laughs> but you've got to learn more words than that, obviously. Yeah, yeah, thank
1: you. Are, yeah, that, that's not going to get me. Very, people very are far. think you're
0: infectious for the wrong reasons. Yeah. <laughs> All right. Thanks for joining us, Dan. Thanks. Bye. Right, thank you.